Hi everyone and welcome to a very special bonus episode, our first bonus of the Rubbish Talk podcast. Today we have uh, Chris Newton on from Matoa who recently supplied Albion with a very interesting new bit of kit. So we've got the Plastel machine um, from Chris so we had some really good questions on LinkedIn when we posted some videos and we thought we'll use the podcast to run through some of them and, and speak to Chris all about the, the machine and the company and how it works. So welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Heather. How you doing? Great, thank you. So do you want to start off just by really briefly um, telling us a bit about you, what you do and the, the company as well and how we ended up kind of with the Plastel and the Fabritel, I think, which is our next endeavour we talked about on a previous episode. So you can you can let us know all about them. Great. Uh, I, so I've been I've been in the rubbish game, I guess, since I was about 13. I started letter picking at events um, with school. Uh, they just came around the school at the open golf and said, does any do any kids want to litter pick? And I'd started there and then I've worked on the bins, on the bin lorries and I had my own event recycling company. So I've always been, and, and I, then I also did waste compositional stuff. Um, That's like right, Chris, around. I forgot, I forgot we talked about that last Yeah, we chatted about that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> Historically, I was, I was only just out of university, so I did a degree in environmental management. And we, and uh, it was fun, we just drove around the country. Uh, we, uh, we just called it the Ming, we sorted things into different boxes. It was, it was a great job. And so I really got into recycling and waste management and I then stumbled across this device. Um, it'd come out of the University Imperial College, Imperial, I forgot what it's called now, Imperial Imperial College mm-hmm. in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out of Imperial College London and it was focused on solving the plastic pollution problem so people could quickly and affordably identify plastics and then sort it out so they could recycle it properly because plastics can't be recycled when you mix them all together it's much easier if you separate them out by polymer uh and the and i found the device i needed it to solve the problem and i started talking to the company and before you know know it here i'm working for them Uh, i like the product so much i was really impressed with sort of what it can do and just and there's definitely gap for it you know identifying plastics is difficult you meet people who've been in the game 20 years and they burn it and they rip it apart and they crinkle it and often they know but occasionally they don't know occasionally they get it wrong there's there's lots of changes lots of different fillers that come in so it's really helpful to have a device that can just identify it quickly move on do something else with your day uh, so that, that's sort of a overview of the company and sort of where we've come from and and then so and so we're growing now actually so a little bit more about the company so we've got the plastic device we've got the fabrics devices we're now changing them we've had a lot of feedback from different people about how they'd like to see the devices so for the textiles device which sorts textiles by different fibers we've got a device that you can fit into a table so people can sort as they do now by great so often they sort by like jumpers jeans Mm t-shirts So now you can actually sort, sort by cotton, polyester, polyester mixes, wool, these sort of things. And, and it's really geared up for that sort of application. Does it give you, just an interest, I know we've not talked much about the, the fabric one, Chris, but does it give you sort of percentages of, of different polymers? So if, if, if a fabric's made up of two different polymers, does it just tell yeah, you? Yeah, so the, yeah, the, the, 
the serious one that people are most interested in, and because it's a large portion of the of the comp of the material that's out there, is polycottons. So polyester, say like a seventy percent, thirty seventy percent polyester and a thirty percent cotton. Mm -hmm. So the machine can identify that with, within a range, and so you can then sort it. So I'm, I mean, I don't know how much you're aware of this, but a lot of the polyester is difficult to mechanically recycle. But there's a lot of chemical recycling plants coming online or running trials on at the moment and the different ones of them can take different amounts of con contamination so with the device you can sort for say 70 percent if your if your process can take 70 percent polyester you know that 70 percent is going is your feedstock then or if you need 100 percent, you can get 100 percent. and you can set the device to flash lights and you know just to make it more usable but it, but it's really about identifying the material you need for your process and I, I mean, it's more complex than that. Sometimes it's about refining your process for the materials you can identify. So, I mean, things like elastane in cotton. So mm -hmm. a lot of the stretch in your jeans, for example, is, is created by elastane. Elastane is the bane of textile recycling by fibre. And it's in such small amounts. The, the way they thread the elastane, if that's the right word, is they wrap the cotton around the elastane thread. So it's very hard to see by NIR. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no other technology out there that can really identify either. So we need to, we need to stop you there, Chris. We're not allowed to use acronyms here now. So you just used NIR. Could you maybe explain <laughs> what that is? Okay, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> lingo, it's, it? a, it's, it's a common theme. As soon as people mention acronyms, we're like, no, hang on a minute here. We're, we're here to educate. So, so well, you know what NIR is. I've at schools and uh, at the school, and then, then those meetings are just acronym after acronym. Yep. Yeah. And I have to like, and I forget, and I Google the acronyms yeah. as I'm in the meeting. <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. So anybody who doesn't know NIR, don't, you don't need to Google it, I will tell you. Uh, it's near infrared. So it's okay. the type of spectroscopy we use. So, just, you know. so that is the type. So, so both both the bits of, of of equipment, the plastic one and the fabric one, you that's the technology effectively you're 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 using if you like to, to yeah. identify the the plastic yeah. bits. And it's it's what it's doing is identifying the sort of chemical composition. And, and if I just make it really simple to understand, you shine a light at a material, uh, and then either ref the reflection or the absorption of that light. Um, is measured by a detector and that detector plots a, a wavelength and then using machine learning the, the app or the algorithm identifies what that wavelength signifies yeah. in the most basic terms that's how it works yeah yeah no good good okay th th thanks thanks for that 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 summary so i uh, the, the 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 reason we've got you on for a, a bonus episode, if you like, is is we 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 got a bit of kit from yourself, and Heather was having a play around in the office with with uh, one of our staff, Callum, uh, just using stuff that was in a recycling bin. So it was all plastics. So we actually knew what type of plastic it was, you know, because we could identify it. Uh, and and Heather shared that li little video up in LinkedIn, and for us anyway, it, it went a bit viral. It, it got shared lots and lots of times. And then, and then there were lots and lots of questions, and we were thinking, mm, we're not actually sure we can we can answer all these questions. So, what we've actually done is we've taken we've taken that list of questions, uh, and hopefully you you can you can answer you know some so, some of the questions that were raised by by people that were replying to us. So that that's the that's our plan. Yeah, no, that that's great. Okay. 
I mean, that video was quite sh crazy, though, wasn't it? Because it's it's just a really nice, simple video of somebody scanning plastic, just one, and you just reads what yeah. the plastic is. I, I, have you I had? Did... I've never seen a post go like that. No, I'd... certainly not. Ours, I think I my phone the next morning. I thought I'd done something terrible on the company, <laughs> company profiles. I thought, what on earth are all these notifications? And I had no, I, I don't know where it kicked off from, Chris. Like, I don't know if the, it kind of came from one person that shared it and it ended up reaching a kind of international audience anyway. But yeah, I have no idea. And it was, as you said, really, really simple. I mean, it was you know really clean the things we fished out of the recycling bin in the office kitchen and just thought you know let's just show how it works um with the plan to then take it kind of onto site the following week to do some waste composition so we now have done that also so kind of hopefully at the same time we release the this podcast episode we can accompany a video of us using it um at some recent waste comp which is slightly different with total um kind of unrecognizable bits of plastic really dirty pieces um so it's really interesting to see the, the contrast between how it works and, you know, and um, what it can do based on, you know, the really clean yeah. ones versus in real life situations. So we've done that as well. We haven't talked about this either. So I, and our device has never been on a waste audit. I mean, I've been on not hundreds, but maybe 50. Mm -hmm. And so I, I am interested to hear how it held up, you know, because dirt can get in the way of the plastics, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's how, how did it do? As as we'll as we'll go through, we'll give you a bit of feedback. <laughs> uh, and, and, and okay, generally, yeah, generally quite positive uh, on 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 the whole. You, you, you'll also be delighted to know, Chris. I did have a friend actually messaged me and said, "I know exactly what type of plastic you're scanning without needing a scanner." <laughs> <laughs> but that that was just somebody being a bit cynical and uh, and the whole process. You know, I put things on the internet, and I sometimes get somebody saying, "Why do I need that? I've got a lighter in my pocket." Or yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Good luck absolutely. to them. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> if, if well, you're so, so this is worth saying though. So we're going to a plastic show, PRS in Amsterdam next week and, and we've done the plastics live in and what we actually do is we do a guess a what plastic is it anyway game so we challenge these people who say they can name all these plastics to to name 10 plastics and beat the plastile machine and you know nobody's ever got 10 so you know quite a few I, i've had a few disappointed people who've been brought over by their colleagues to to work out how many of these plastics go this is the guy he knows all the plastics <laughs> and he's got like five right so you know so got, if you are listening you've got now and you're PRS, yeah come down play my game tell yeah. show me how it's done yeah no that's that's a great way actually to do a wee case study i think people would be surprised there we go right so the, the first the first question i've got for you is, is actually got some, some acronyms in them so you can also give us the the the, the full versions chris <laughs> when i ask you uh, there's there's quite a few obviously fairly technical people who ask uh, questions as we go through yeah. this list so hopefully hopefully we'll not put you in the spot too much so uh so the first question is is, is relatively simple i think can it sense between pe and ppe granules yeah so if you just I won't assume that everybody knows what PP and PE is. Yep. There's two different types of plastics, basically. And you have to, uh, excuse my pronunciation, they're from the polyolefin family. And so one PE, polyethylene, yep. off the top of my head, and polypropylene. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're very common. So PE would be in your milk bottle. It comes in high density, low density, low linear density, LLDPE, HDPE. Um, and so, so that's the it's just two different plastics um the 
and the granules are trying to think of this it was popularized in like youtube videos where things have fallen into the ocean it's little is, 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 it these wee nod- pebbles. is that like these nodules wee nodules, wee nodules thing. yeah okay yeah yeah so it's just little nodules of plastic um so simple answer yes you can do that um yeah. i we we can supply a measuring cup so you can actually take a scoop of the material and then hold it on the device um we oh. 3d print them so so it just makes it easier if, if that's what you need to do uh, but yeah simple simple yeah. to to do that yeah. before we go into the next questions chris just just for people you, you're obviously sorry all these questions are coming to my head as, as we're chatting no fine yeah. in terms of number of different plastic types i know there's loads of composites and all the rest but how how many like and is there a list of every type of plastic or or is there a list in the world general and then there's a, a sort of extra specialist like so i have a great document that i pin on my wall i love it i saw it at a site if i just tell you what it's called it's basically like a uh, but for, for the listeners, Chris is rattling around his office here trying to get this list. <laughs> I can't take it off my wall because it's stuck onto my wall, and it's, I've had it on my wall for so long that it's actually faded in the corner where it tells you what it's called. <laughs> it's like a periodic table for plastics. Oh yeah. wow! Let me, and it's a really good resource if anybody wants it. Is that it's is just, that something, for example, we could share? We could yeah, get from you yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, share yeah, as really part of this. Yeah, no, I that, think it's that. on the blip. The British Plastics Federation. Can I put it in the chat here for you guys? And then you've got it. Yeah. That would be really handy. I think uh, we were on when we were on site testing the machine a couple of weeks ago. Chris, I think the guys had a handwritten piece of paper just for a wee guide for me as we were doing it. All the different, not as many as that, but all the kind of common types of plastics we were looking at. Um, so maybe that would be I could get them a wee laminated version of that to take on site with them. That would probably do. He would love it. Good. Yeah. One site I went to, they had it blown massive and it was like in their science lab about, and it was just a really good feature, actually. It was, it was really, it doesn't have every, I mean, you speak to people in the, in polymers and, and you'll say some plastics to them and sometimes they've not heard of it, you know, it's not, it's changing, you know, that there's a lot of different polymers, a lot of very niche polymers. So I don't think there is an exhausted list of yeah. actual plastics out there. Probably saying that, but. Yeah, okay. oh, well, that that was a great wee resource. I'll be, we'll be stealing that from you anyway. Um, so yeah, as, of, as we touched on at the start, um, so I, I suppose I would be asking you the question and you can tell me what you think, but then I can give you your feedback from, from how Albion got on on site. But some quite a lot of questions did say, how does it work with dirty plastic? So if you were to answer that, Chris, from your perspective, what would you say? And then I'll tell you how we got on. I would say... We we would like we we recommend some scanning all samples clean. Obviously, there is a level of dirt that the machine can cope with. I mean, what how you measure that? How I tell you what percentage that dirt is or how I'm it? I can't really say that. What what I could say anything that you put into your recycling that's from the household. If you were to just put it into your recycling box without washing it, that would be fine. That would mm-hmm. be dirty. If you went to a landfill and dug up plastic that's being buried in the ground for a year and yeah. it's covered in all sorts you there might be a spot on there where it's reading but my gut feeling would be you're gonna have to do a bit of cleaning mm-hmm. okay no that, i think that's a good answer and from our experience um so we were looking at household waste and um, so we picked out a couple of 
um, different pieces that we deemed as like quite dirty. Um, so there was one actually which I remember thinking there's no way it will get this, and I don't know how it ended up in this state to be honest. But um, you know the um, they come from the pod bag scheme, and it's like to recycle your Nespresso and coffee pods, and it's like we recycled bags, kind of plastic recycling bags. Yeah, yeah. So it was one of them that clearly had no pods in it and somebody just chucked in the bin and it was absolutely filthy with mud for some reason. So I thought, no chance. We put it on the machine. Um, in fact, one of the, the guys, Les, actually wiped it down first and said, well, wipe this one, see how it gets on. Um, but I hadn't saw the wee corner that he'd wiped. So I just put it on the Plastel device and rightly enough, it scanned it and it came up correct. And then we checked the clean bit as well to make sure we had the correct reading. So we were really pleasantly surprised. Um, it worked really well for that. And then there was also, um, I think it was like a yogurt pot or a rice pudding pot or something. Still completely, you know, food still in it. Completely manky. Food in it. Dirt all over it. Um, and it picked it up as well on the first scan. We never cleaned it or anything. So, yeah, in terms of like household waste and, and our purpose of um, composition, I thought it was worked really well for quite a lot of the, the items we tried. So for anyone listening who wondered about that, that's the kind of real life results we had, which is great. Yeah, okay, so I think, yeah, it's good to know. I think I think that's good to know, and I think it, you know even even if it doesn't work like that, a, a quick wipe or a quick mm-hmm. you know a, a, a quite white white well wet cloth is probably enough. We think anyway to 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 get it working yeah. if it's not picking up. I'm interested in because the app. Did you use the app much for monitoring and collecting the data, or did you just sort of record it by hand as you were going? Yeah, we recorded mostly um, by hand. Chris and I had video, I'd recorded quite a lot of the, the results of us scanning it and things. So I think just where we were positioned on the site, we didn't have great mobile data, I think would be. Okay, just but it, worked, it, it worked fine just us kind of doing it like that. And, you know, that's another thing to think, depending on whereabouts you're using it. Um, a lot of the sites we'll probably be on, you don't have great mobile signal. But, you know, without yeah. that, we still had had good results from it. It's just one of the things that I'm seeing a lot as one of the trends, especially in the textiles, is a lot of this sort of data management software and trying to improve, get mm-hmm. as many data points so people can see sort of live mm-hmm. how they're collecting data and what's going through the sites and that sort of thing. So it's always yeah. interesting to try and get just user experience, really, of the app. That's mm-hmm. yeah. I think we'll try that. I think I've um, convinced some of the team to take it back down to our next job so i'll see if we can get a wee test run on the app before they go and see if they can use it as well so see how they get on yeah i think i think it's just in in terms of the waste composition what we do chris is you know we're split into categories like the work you used to do and and it's it's weight based so we're splitting into types and then it's weight based so that's the that's the core job the guys are doing uh, yeah. Whereas different applications, you know, I could imagine the type of work you were talking about, the textiles, where they're wanting to identify, you know, which materials are 70% and which are less than 70% of, of a particular polymer, uh, then that's yeah. a slightly different a- application. So you're sorting it into like pet bottles and then weighing yeah. all the yeah. pet bottles at the end. Yes, yes, yes. So quite often all we need to do is do the identification. If we know the identification, we could put it in the correct, c- c- correct place, if you so, like. So- I haven't done a waste audit for 10, 15 years. Has the recycling got better? Is the no, it's got worse. Right? <laughs> it's it's got worse. <laughs> Don't get me started. That's a that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> we well, we listen to the episode where they interview you. Huh? 
yeah, yeah. You, need, you probably need to listen to that one. Uh, so uh, we we any literally any waste analysis we do of residual waste, about seventy percent of that waste, particularly in Scotland, could be recycled. So about thirty percent is food waste about 30% is recycled, so bottles, cardboard, metals and so on. And another 10% is things like textiles that could go to a charity a, a charity bank or a textile bank or whatever, or, or go to a household waste recycling site. So about 70% of the, what's in there should not be in there. And when you flip the coin and look at the, the recycle it and look at target material that should be there, there's at least 20% contamination on a regular basis. So it's, you, it's not good. It's not good. I think when I did it, we used to just get every so often, you'd have one household that just wouldn't recycle and it would just skew all yeah, the biggest yeah. <laughs> No, you still, you still get it. You still, still get it. You, there's you still people get. who just refuse to do it. Yeah. And they think, I, I, they think it doesn't matter, doesn't it? And you get you get the outliers like some somebody's had a clear out maybe somebody's died in a property and there's been a big clear out or somebody's moved into a place and there's a big clear out and you've got to try and you've got to try and sort of I mean I got this radio from a from a waste audit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a classic. That's a classic. Yeah, no, classic Roberts radio. So for people listening at home. Uh, and, and, and if, if, you're doing that, if you're doing that 15 years ago, it's still lasting well, obviously. So, yeah. Yes, they might work. Good, good <laughs> stuff. Uh, any, anyway. Uh, I'm showing uh, this one as well because I'm proud of this. This is a Van Gogh oh, print. No way. I got that in a waste audit. <laughs> That's a good idea. I don't get to show my because... waste audit tap very often. Yeah, Sorry. if we, we have to try and convince people to come and do a waste audit, that's, that's a good <laughs> good sales tactic. Sales so, you might find something great in there. Get free stuff. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they were they were from CA site ones. I think they're the best ones to do. If, if you're looking for a job in waste audits, only do the CA sites, the HWRCs. That's where the good uh, stuff you is. Don't, you, get the good you, stuff. Don't, you don't get many of these jobs, unfortunately, Chris. You get all those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so next, Sorry, next yeah. that's all right. No, I'm, I'm conscious we've got a wee list here. Uh, next question, a few more acronyms, I'm afraid. Uh, can it be useful for recognising engineer, engineering polymers to like PC? PA, EB, ABS, etc. Yes, so I mean they're all different plastics. So like anything with an S uses a styrene. Poly PS, ABS is a styrene. Polycarbonate, PC. Nylon is PA. That comes in two main forms, six and six point six, which is to do with the way the I don't want to say the wrong word. The it's bonded. I think it's yep. the simplest way. Uh, so and the machine can't tell the difference between nylon six and six point six, but it can tell the difference between nylon polycarbonate. It does twelve uh, plastics are standard. You can download. There are another twelve plastics on the app which you can add to the device as you need it. The, one of the things about the device is we've tried to make it affordable. You know, so and some of the parts are quite expensive, uh, but but memory. Is limited on the device so you can't actually store enough memory for and, and they're quite memory hungry some of the algorithms and some of the information you need on there and that's because i mean like you're saying a lot of the sites don't have wi-fi or mobile signal so the device has got to be able to operate on its own without wi-fi so yeah but i think, I think your plan with the device is also you know if there's a particular plastic type that people decide is important you probably could get that on 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 the device 
you know, with a, with a, with a bit of work and effort. Yeah, so the, I mean, the PlusTel, you can't do this on the textiles device, but on the, on the PlusTel, you can actually add your own libraries. So you can scan your own materials and add it as a library and, and it will recognise those things. Uh, and people do do that. It's, it's a popular feature. Uh, and they get, there's a thing about um, IP with some people with plastics. So there's a, there's a specific industry that I can't actually talk about, but they are very secretive about the plastics they use. Right. And they don't. I said, why didn't I, I, I we offer people the chance to send us the samples and we, we will add the samples and the, the material to the global library. Yeah. But but they don't want sometimes some, a lot of people in the plastics industry do want to help. But there's, there's a few people out there who who are secretive um, and don't want to. In the textiles industry, it's it's much bigger issue to get samples off people people are very secretive of what their materials are made out of and what they and what the composition is they don't really want it out there it's it's a thing is that not is that not a sort of fundamental flaw that you know you've got manufacturers putting product out into the market and withholding information if you like that is essential for the recycling sector yeah, I mean, there's a, I mean, plastics recycling. We, I often think of textiles recycling as plastics recycling ten years ago. You know, it's sort of, it's not on people's tongues. People are going to charity shops, they're taking their clothes to the charity shops, and they think they're doing a good thing. I mean, I mean, they are doing a good thing. I should, should really clarify that. But there's a lot of once it's gone to a charity shop, once nobody's bought it, what do you do with it then? And there's no magic box where you can put lots of different textiles in and at the end you get new textiles you know it's actually quite a lot of work to sort and grade a lot gets exported and gets burnt or goes to markets in Africa which it, and I don't want to disparage the markets in Africa because they're thriving industries and they employ a lot of people they need capital to invest in more equipment and everything but it's still it's just that sending away and it and the rivers are blocked you know there's, there's a lot of problems with it you know it's not mm-hmm perfect so and a lot of the manufacturers are just not designing for recyclability but it is coming so i mean the the classic one i've already mentioned it is a last day you know there is a movement to try and get designers and speak to designers about a last day i mean that we have actually just wrote a guide for recyclability to for designers so and you know we are obviously nir focused so what we're trying to tell people to do this is how you make your materials to make them nir readable mm-hmm. so when they go this will be the way that a large portion of post-consumer non-reusable textiles that it will be identified by nir i'm convinced yeah. by do working <laughs> <So> <laughs> there, there isn't really any other technology there's people yeah. using vision cameras um i can't remember the word now just just general cameras and trying to identify that way but it's very hard that I can't see that really working for textiles because C- you need the product to be able to tell what it is with the yeah. QR code. And, uh, you know, QR codes are a thing as well, but. Okay. No, so, so but sounds, yeah. good. sounds good. OK, next question. Can it also be used to check polymer, resin or powder? Yeah, again, it's similar to granules. You know, you can just put it in the cup. Yeah. Put it on the scan and, and scan it. It's no good. problem at all. Good, that was easy. Uh, what if there are two or more different plastic compound products? So the machine will identify it as unread. So it doesn't at the moment do like copolymers. If it's a high percentage of one or the other, it it'll will pick the high lean one. to to. It'll give you the higher 
thing and this it is something we're working on but it, it actually requires a whole redesign of the algorithm um, at the moment because the text that we can do with textiles we can give that compositional analysis so we know it's possible mm -hmm. and we've got samples and, and we've, we've made it work but it's we've just not able to implement it as yet and the thing the good thing about i think copolymers they're not that ubiquitous so most you know pe pp is a big one abs pc is a big one there's not that many every other polymers that are copolymers so what people tend to do is set up that if they and they're very niche and used in specific industries so they set up their own libraries for the for these materials because they know the percentages it's really easy for them to do mm -hmm. yeah. good. that's good to know um so chris this one came up quite a lot um so does it work on black plastics if not is there a way around it i'm, I'm thinking we're mean, meaning ready meal trays <laughs> So I'm going to be cheeky and say, yes, it works on black plastics. But what it doesn't do is work on plastics made with carbon black. Oh, so, OK. And I, I just really want to make that distinction because it's a really important distinction. And it's, all, it's, it's not so important for me. It's more of an industry thing, mm -hmm. you know, and people are aware of like what plus black they're using, what, what black they're using to make their black. If that is okay. a real sentence. But you, there is. <laughs> So carbon black, the simplest, I'm just going to say coal is the easiest way to imagine it. They mm -hmm. fill the plastic full of coal and then that turns the plastic black. And okay. when you go to scan it, the coal, the car, let's call it carbon because it's carbon, uh, it absorbs all the light. You get no reflectance. No, you get no signal back. And that's the carbon. And, and it's not a problem with our device. It's a problem with NIR. Yeah. But the problem is actually, so there are things called NIR readable blacks. Okay. By, there's a couple of companies in the UK. Reach out to me. I can put you in touch with them. Mm -hmm. And they do it. The issue, what I hear is, is it just costs more. You know, right. carbon black is very cheap. Mm. You know, and they they can just pile it in. I think the NIR readables are maybe two, three, four times more expensive. Okay. So mm. supermarket, you know, it's becoming a thing. We have people working for master batch companies who buy our device, so they can show their customers listen look my black is readable by sortation devices you can this is recyclable because because a known problem you know it's just if i'm not huge on government intervention sometimes but in this it feels like an easy win for the government to just ban carbon black mm -hmm. from because people because it's just a cost-based thing you know and yeah. the more it's used the cheaper the other blacks will get you know so it just they just need to create the market for the for the black mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's good to know. That was a long answer to a simple question. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Well, the, I, th I think that's what we're thinking, Chris, that most of these questions weren't actually that simple, which is why we've, we've got you on here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not, they take some, there's some nuance to them. It's, it's yeah. hard to answer on a LinkedIn post. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know if this question kind of overlaps with, with previous, but. Um, can I come up again a few times in a different variation? This is what will happen if it's used on multi-layer plastic. So, yeah, and and it's the same with the composite, really, the mm -hmm. composite plastics. It's it's very surface orientated a film, um, the machine, the machine. Sorry. So if you scan it on the surface, it will tend to read the the the, the material that's on the surface. So yeah. multi-layer is like lots of different plastic films sort of stuck together and then put on. So but sometimes some of the plastics are like in one to five percent so it's, it really struggles to, to to differentiate them especially when it's got a when it's a clear plastic film 
Okay. So clear plastic film. Because the way our device works, it's got two light sources, and that's really to help it with clear and opaque sizes. So no, it can't do multi-layer. It's it's actually becoming it's actually a harder nut to crack than the copolymer one because mm. it's much harder to get samples of these things in the way we need them so we can build our make our algorithm the machine sort of learn so because we, we like to get samples at like five percent composition ten percent twenty percent twenty five and then it can build it and fill in them gaps itself but to get somebody to make a, a very small sample of a plastic film at five percent at ten you know it's quite it's, but we're working on it we are working on it because it would be useful yeah yeah good. absolutely good. Okay, next one I think leads on a little bit from that is that most most plastic films are not a single or are not single polymer based. What's the solution? Well, so I went well. Excited. I'm glad you asked that. You've got the solution. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I haven't got the solution, but it was, I find it really interesting uh, the, to go to a plastics conference, uh, a packaging concert, conference, which I've not been to a packaging conference. But I thought I'd pop down and just see what was going on. And it, there's a lot of plastic bag manufacturers and packaging packaging manufacturers, would you believe? And they, and I went to a few talks and it felt like there was a real movement towards single polymer laminate, laminated plastics, a lot of polypropylene sort of, with multiple layers. And I was, I was chatting to a few people and they said, the, it's again, the same as the carbon black, it's just about cost. People have been doing it this way for so long that changing it over is costly. You know, that there's a cost based so th there is definitely a movement towards single polymer plastic bags so i, I, I suspect it will hopefully it'll solve itself that way mm -hmm. do, do you think do you think there's a movement in that direction because the plastic industry thinks that the way they can survive is to to improve the recyclability of the product is that is that why they're moving or is it pressure from supermarkets or whoever's using the packaging I think it's it's complex, isn't it? Because plastics has the, the in certain areas, plastics is a dirty word, mm. you, you know. And in other, uh, and the, you know, we live in the age of the petrochemical, and um, you know, it's it's useful. If we're going to buy stuff from supermarkets, a, a cucumber needs to be able to sit on the shelf for twelve days. Mm -hmm. We're not all going to market gardens and eating that cucumber within two days of buying it, you know, before it goes off. So so. That, so plastics, if we accept that plastics are useful, then it's about sort of changing the sort of the length, the argument against them, you know, trying to head them off or trying to deal with the problem. I mean, plastic pollution is a problem. There is plastic, you know. Yeah. You know, people, how much of it is a management issue and how much of it is a plastic issue is, is debatable. You know, there's a lot of people who are really pro-plastics and think it's all management. And there are people who are thinking, no, it's all just the plastic's fault. Yeah, um, I, th I, I mean, think I'd... the 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 cucumber example you referred to there, Chris. I think I think there was a report done in, in terms of the sort of carbon impact of cucumbers on their own, unwrapped, versus cucumbers that were wrapped in plastic. And because there was more wastage of that to cucumbers, there was more carbon emissions from the unwrapped cucumbers than there were with the 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 the, the plastic ones. If, if my memory serves me right, I'm, I'm not quite sure who did that report or, or how it's prepared, but uh, there the was that 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 logic there that you know plastic gets a bad name, but in some cases it, it provides a really valuable use, and particularly when you think of you know 
NHS settings, clinical settings where you're, you've got to have sterilised equipment, all the rest. To be honest, plastic's the only game in town because you know mm. it, it, it serves its purpose uh, in making sure that that bit of equipment is sterilised when it, before it's used. Definitely, and so, and so some of the conversations around plastic that I have with my friends, and I do try and educate them a little bit more about you know the uses of plastic instead of just always the dangers, but. I think the manufacturers are probably getting pressure from supermarkets, from consumers, probably from their own staff. You know, the world, people care more. I think I don't want to disparage different generations, but it's more in people want to work for companies where they're trying to push things forward, where they're not part of the problem. So it's probably coming from yeah. all over. Good, good. OK, ne- next one I've got for you, that, and I'll be very interested in your answer here, actually, is it's, 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 it's quite relevant to some of the stuff we do. Uh, it's a fairly long question. Is this scalable to a material recycling facility, an MRF level? And the second part of that, if you get get it to ID as part of the process, I so identify as part of the process, it could be a game changer and make plastics recycling more viable. And then they put in brackets. I'm sure somebody must be doing this already. <laughs> I mean, I think you know that it's already been done. I'm guessing you've been to a few MRFs. We've seen a few. I think the, the, the big brand, there's, there's there's a company called Tomra who took over a company called Titec. Yeah. And there's there's a few other companies like Mayer is another one. Um, just to, I'm not on the BBC, am I? So I can say. No, no, you, <laughs> can name, you can name check as much as you want. Yeah. And, and they use the same technology at NIR. And there's there's some newer companies using machine vision as well, where they're just tracking stuff as it goes through, and they, they basically have huge databases of milk bottles and things. So, yeah, it's already been made. There's companies out there who have belt systems. There's companies like Tomra or Mayer. And they've been around for 20 years at least, I think. And they're quite effective. They have quite high catch rate. But I think the issue sometimes with these things is what you put in and what you get out. You know, they're not magic machines. So you have to have a good, like you said, 20% contamination in some of the recycling boxes. You know, that actually hurts the effectiveness of the machines. You know, it gets the belts dirty and all this sort of thing. So it's complex. I mean, I always think when when I've seen these bits of kit in place, Chris, it's always, it's it's throughput that's the issue. You know, so a plant wants to do 50 tonne an hour or 100 tonne an hour. And the reality is these plants struggle at 50 tonne an hour or whatever. You know, the manufacturer might say it can handle that, but the reality is with a mixed residual waste, it can't it can't actually sort to the right level of accuracy at that at that throughput. Yeah, so I suppose that they've, they've built the machine based on like getting clean machine clean material and not really factored in these sort of things. And you know things break and things go down. I mean, there's definitely a place for mechanical sorting. Like I said earlier, there's some chemical resorting recycling plants coming along. I mean, you can sort with our device. People do sort with it, but it's much smaller scale. I mean the the, the textiles there's no machine that the, there's no there are machines sorry for sorting textiles but they have issues with material it's a very a lot of the money in the textile industry is around reuse so you've got to be able to get all the reusable stuff out as well first mm-hmm. so i mean tomra have built a, an automatic system there's another one i can't remember what they're called now but but and they they work i think to a point but they are the advantage of our system when it comes to textile recycling is really you get the hands on it, you get to check if it's reusable, you get to see if it's multi-layered, 
inside and outside because a lot of textiles um, have different fabrics on the inside and outside and scan it and then sort it. So we in the textiles, there's definitely a place for hand sorting with the devices. With the plastics, it's the, the mechanical infrastructure exists already. I always urge people who, to, to just send it to their local MRF. You know, you don't want to spend hours and hours a day just sorting a milk bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Next one, another acronym for you, I'm afraid, Chris. Uh, and I've actually been, while you've been talking, I've been sitting and Googling because I hadn't heard of this one before. Uh, somebody's asked, is this FEIR based technology? It's it's a different type of spectroscopy. Right, that's we're, we're, the, the next, the lead on to that, I was going to say, what's the difference between the NIR you've already discussed? Uh, it's, the difference is actually, the, I mean, my favourite difference to point out is the cost. So an FTIR mm. machine will cost something like £50,000, maybe £30,000. Yeah. And then the simplicity. So to measure something in the FTIR, you need to prepare the sample. You need to put it in. It needs to be connected to the Internet. Mm. I don't know. I think it's 30 seconds per reading. Okay. I mean, it works on a wider, wider wavelength. So you get more information. So, for example, you can identify copolymers. Is that any? Okay. I, I've not seen too many hands-on, but I think it gives you a percentage confidence of different materials. And and even I think some, if they've got a big enough database, can even identify the manufacturer of the plastic. You know, oh, so wow. you get a much. But there's a lot more consumables with them. There's a, there's a lot more work. It's a scientific instrument, where ours is more affordable. You would trust it. On a waste audit with some guys. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I was I, I was actually at a site yesterday, Chris, that uh, that dismantles televisions basically, uh, and 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 one of the things is obviously myself and Heather have talked about this before. Put the persistent organic pollutants and and the plastic that makes up the, the and they and they've now built up a database, and I think from memory it was about something like eleven thousand different types of television wow. and they they okay. know which ones have got pops and which ones don't so they, their plastic so, that's leaving the facility about 70 percent can go for recycling because it's not they can demonstrate it's not got pops and the other 30 percent has got to go for incineration because it's got pops in it i mean that is a lot of work but i mean for anybody who doesn't know it, it's very expensive to get rid of sort of pops material yeah. And if you can send it through cycling, it, it, it'll probably change the business model. So it's probably worth the, the time spent yeah. doing that. That is a big database, though. But well, keeps the regulator happy. Uh, I, I, was, mm. I was very impressed they built up that level of database, but they've been working at this for, for a long time before, before all the issue with POPs, you know, because obviously in the waste electrical game, POPs has been a known issue for 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 quite a while so they have been working in a while it does just a, a wee aside in terms of questions does does you is there any way that your equipment could be adapted to identify pops or is there is no, they, that they're in too way small beyond? amounts we have to it's, yeah it's not really it's, it's yeah. something we've looked into but it's not a, a real we can't do it is no <laughs> you need to find somebody with chunky funding to do it so don't you <laughs> no it's, it's the it's the the pops they're in too small amounts in the material to right. identify, to, to differentiate from the plastics. Mm, there we go. Uh, Chris, so another one, I think we might have touched on um, kind of near the top of the questions. Um, so it's a, a slight variation, um, but kind of last couple of questions, it says, can this detect PP and PA6 with fillers and 
black plastic. So I know you kind of mentioned PA6 and some um, numbers and percentages at the top of the podcast, but what would be your response to that? Yeah, I think I've, I've covered black and yeah. nylon, um, which is the PA. The fillers, which I've not really covered, mm-hmm. are not don't tend to be a problem for the device to to identify. Right, the the uh, the most popular filler is a it's called GF glass filled. So you like you'll have something like nylon sixty percent GF. So that means it's okay glass filled, and and so the glass the light just shines through the glass. It's not a problem. Uh, there's not yeah. So we can identify the plastic with fillers, and we've we've built quite a large database of materials with the fillers as well. So we're sort of I mean, every so often there is a plastic with a new filler or two, maybe like it's, it's mostly filler that, that mm-hmm. can be difficult to identify. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah working, I think we've worked out most of them kinks now, to be fair. Right. No, that's really good. Perfect. Good to know. I, th- I think you'd be glad to know, Chris, we're getting to the end of our wee question set here. Mm-hmm. I think I think you probably, you've answered, you've discussed this one, I think, before. Can Can you identify laminated film with aluminium? So I think people are thinking Tetra pack type products. Yeah, or crisp packets is a thing yeah. as well, yeah. isn't it? But um, but no, uh, the the light just shines off the aluminium. Yeah, it's right. actually, okay. bit, and it's the laminate problem is also an issue. But the, the aluminiumized sort of side of things is actually quite difficult as well. Yeah, and I think I think I think the next one I think you've also covered. Uh, does it work with co extrusions, laminates, and other plastics? I think probably it's, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, I think I've covered that though. I can, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, just just to 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 sort of thank thank you for your time, Chris. Uh, I've got a couple other questions in terms of how does somebody buy this bit of kit? And roughly, I don't know if you had one to put you in the spot in terms of price or whatever, but but how how do they how do they get in That's contact? That's a great with question. You? I'm glad you <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do like that one. Yeah. Uh, email me. Go to our website. We haven't got an e-shop. We're, we're debating internally whether to have an e-shop. Let people just buy it directly. So if you email me, there's contact form. I'm sure my email can be on the post or or find us on yeah. LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Cost. It's £2,500 for the device. Obviously, taxes if you're in the UK or we can send it all around the world. Um, right. that. We're about to launch a new pro device, which has an internally fitted bit battery. So at the moment, the device runs off mains electricity. You can have a battery pack that sort of plugs into it. Uh, we're just testing it now. So it's got to go for certification, the uh, battery. So hopefully that'll be a new product. That'll be a little bit more expensive. Uh, Yes, just contact me. Find me on LinkedIn. Add me as a connection on LinkedIn if you're interested. If you've got any more questions, I'm happy to share. I've got some. We we offer if you buy the device, we offer you a 21 day money back guarantee. I mean, I am proud to say that we've never had one on the plastics returned um, at all. I think to sing your praises, you offered us that that money back guarantee, and and, and we we took our time to actually try it out and then and then what we did we thought no we just we just we just need to buy this bit of kit because it's going to be very useful for us so yeah. uh one of the other that's things that's what we, we hope you know i give you the device and then and we'll then use it up and say i want it back and you're like no no you're not getting it back <laughs> <'cause we need> <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good business model i like it it certainly worked for us I think, 
it's just worth saying because just so I don't get taken out of context, we have actually had one of the textiles devices sent back over the last year, and that was for a very they bought it sort of off spec, and it I didn't do my job properly by sort of vetting them because we like to talk to people and check it will do what they want it to do, mm-hmm. and they actually wanted to identify one or two percent elastane in genes. That's what they specifically oh, okay. wanted the device for, mm-hmm. and they found about us from a different company, and the device can't do that, and we were you know no problem. Honestly, I'm sorry. So, just in the interest of openness, yeah, and don't buy the machine if that's what you want to do. Yeah, and I think Chris, we can put everything, your contact, your LinkedIn, um, the website, and and kind of direct kind of information or links to wherever people can find you, can find the product, um, and ask you probably more questions because that seems to be how (laughs) how it's going. Um, But we can certainly put all that on. uh, We'll put it on the podcast. Well, if you just want to chat, you know, I've enjoyed my, I've enjoyed chatting to you too today as well. It's been nice. So if anybody else wants to just have a chat with me, phone me up and talk about plastic or textiles or just general rubbish, I'm game for that. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. We're we're always up for talking rubbish, Chris. That's it. Brilliant. Well, thank right. you very much. I think that that was great, really detailed and kind of good format to answer, as you said, a lot of the, the questions that came through need a bit of context. So hopefully we've given that to people and we really appreciate you, you coming on and doing that, Chris. And hopefully uh, we get some interest as well back back to you about the products. Yeah, that's great. And I, I hope I didn't rub it on too much and I hope everybody yeah. can understand my things. So, you were, great. Nice to talk you to you. You were great. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you Thanks a lot, Chris. Well